It is so good um, just being with you today and the fact that you are with us. And um, I'm excited about today. We have a, a claim that no other religion has and that we serve a God who lives. Amen? Don't you just want to smile at the person opposite you? All right. I know they're seated far, but just smile at them. They need to see the gaps in your teeth from the other side of the room at least. It's great having you here. And I trust that you've come with an expectation in your heart because I believe God wants to speak something into your spirit today. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we, we, we handle two pictures from the Bible that we get about Jesus. And on Friday, we spoke about the picture, the Lamb of God that was sacrificed on our behalf. And so we spoke about what that means for us. It means forgiveness. It means grace. It means the fact that we can be healed and that we can enter into the presence of God and our sins are washed away. We're clean because of that fact. But there's another picture in Scripture, and if you haven't uh, caught it yet, just a little clue. It's on the screen. All right. The Lion of Judah. It's another picture that we get in Scripture. And it's not used that often, simply because you don't encounter it that often in Scripture. But today I want to do one thing, is I want to take you through a bit of theology. All right, just look at someone next to you and say, ugh, theology. All right. <laughs> For all the Afrikaans-speaking people, it's theology. All right, not, not theology. All right. <laughs> That's something else. So I want to take you through a bit of scripture, and if you have your Bibles with you, you are going to have to page really quickly, because we're going to jump around in scripture. All right, so I hope you know where it is. If you don't know your Bible, just repent really quickly, all right, and, or look for a Christian nearby. Um, but we're going to jump from the beginning to the end, in between. We're going to jump around quite a bit, but all those scriptures will be on the screen so you can follow along. Um, and we're quickly going to run through some theology because it's really important that we understand where this idea of the Lion of Judah comes from. Now, I don't know about you, but a lion inspires something in me. You like lions? Not, not too close, though. I remember um, one time we, we went uh, on a 4x4 camping expedition in Sod, uh, not Sodwana, Botswana, <laughs> two different places. <laughs> and I remember we were about six vehicles and uh, we used two-way radio to communicate between the vehicles. And so as we were traveling down this dirt road, there was nothing there. It was just this dirt road, nothing for miles around. And suddenly on the radio, someone said, listen, I've got a flat tire. So everybody pulled over, all six cars, and we got out, and some of us started helping changing the tire. Some of us did what you do in the bush. You throw rocks and chat to one another and, you know, <clears throat> go pee pee tiny boom. And we were just standing there. We were chatting, and we were talking to one another, having a great time changing this flat tire. And after a couple of minutes, we got back in the cars, and I remember it's, it's about as far as I am to the back of the building. So, I don't know, 25, 30 meters odd. There was a row of bushes, like running that way. 
And we got in the cars and we drove off and took a right turn just behind those bushes. And as we made the turn, there was a pride of seven lions just lying there. And everybody went really quiet. <laughs> like we were just, we were there. We were throwing rocks at one another, chatting out loud, and the lions were just there. And just the fact that we saw them brought a certain amount of reverence. Like, <gasps> okay, we could have been in trouble. And here's the thing, when we talk about the Lion of Judah, it should inspire awe and reverence in our hearts. And the, the one place that you encounter this image of the Lion of Judah we find in Revelation chapter five, verses four and five. Now, here's the part we're gonna to have to go really quickly through the scriptures with me. So um, if you're taking notes, please take them off the screen. Revelation five, verse four to five, it says, then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. That's an important word, worthy. Because John is in this vision of Revelation and he says, there was a scroll that someone had to read and someone had to open, but no one was found worthy to open it. And then verse five, but one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. It is one of the few places in scripture where we get the words lion of Judah. And it refers to something about Jesus. It refers to something of his character and who he is. But it's important if you read this in verse five, it says, it's the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne. And we're gonna see something of that as we go through scripture this morning. Because it's important to understand why the Bible says the tribe of Judah. Well, Judah was the kingly lion in Israel. That's where most of the kings came from. That's why Revelation says the heir to David's throne. Now, Jesus was a couple of generations after David. But whenever you spoke of David or the line of Judah, it was assumed in the Jewish system that that is the kingly line. That's where the kings come from. That's where rulers come from. And so when the Bible says he is the lion of Judah, it's almost as if it's trying to say he is the, the eminent, the preeminent one in this line of kings. See, he is worthy. No one else is worthy, but he is worthy. And so the other reference to Judah and lion, where this idea was sort of formed and birthed, was at the end of the very first book of the Bible. So you went to the back in Revelation, now you can go all the way to the front, Genesis chapter 49. We get this story where Jacob is on his deathbed and he's busy blessing his sons. Now this is more than just saying, hey, I hope you have a good life and I hope things work out for you. When a father in that time blessed his son, it was sort of a prophetic word over that, that child's life. And so you get the blessing that Jacob spoke over his son, Judah. And we're gonna take a look at that blessing just very briefly. As I said, we don't have time to go into deep theology this morning, so I'm really just quickly gonna go through it. But it's important that we do understand these concepts when we talk about Jesus, the risen king, the risen one. 
So this is the blessing that Jacob spoke over Judah. Genesis 49, verse 8 to 12, it says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. You will grasp your enemies by the neck. All your relatives will bow before you. Judah, my son, is a young lion that has finished eating its prey. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from his descendants, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. He ties his foal to a grapevine, the colt of his donkey to a choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth are whiter than milk. Now, we're not going to go into all the symbolism in these verses. There are just three things that I quickly want to, want to lift out for you. And the first one is that it says, your brothers will praise you. Verse 8, the very first sentence, the very first thing. And remember, when Jacob blesses Judah, it's a prophecy over his life. And Judah became the head of a clan, which means it is the, a prophecy over that clan. It says, your brothers will praise you. And when we think of Jesus as the Lion of Judah, it is firstly to acknowledge the fact that He is Lord of all. Now, especially when you are in church and you're part of a church, you hear that phrase quite often, that He is Lord of all. And it sort of just goes by, doesn't it? He is Lord of all. Oh, yes, we know that. But the implications of the fact that he is Lord of all is far-reaching. Lord means he rules over everything. He's in charge of everything. And Paul says this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. It says, therefore, God elevated him, talking about Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's the thing, regardless of what you think, what you feel, of what you, what you believe, there will be a day when every single knee will bow before the Lordship of Jesus. There's, there's a day where it doesn't matter what you said while living on earth and um, everything that you think you understand and did not understand and everything that you confessed and everything that everybody else confessed and did not confess or did say and did not say, there will be a day when every single knee will bow before Jesus and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And it might come as a choice right now or it will come as some kind of Terrible revelation someday. As we were reading through the scriptures this week as a staff in preparation for this weekend, I was once again caught uh, by what the Roman centurion or the Roman officer said when they crucified Jesus. Do you remember that story? Maybe just go read it again. After Jesus died, this Roman officer stood by the cross and he said, we crucified an innocent man. He realized something. A bit too late, but he realized it. And this is the first prophecy that was spoken over Judah of which Jesus was part. He was part of that tribe. 
He was part of that rulership, that leadership thing. It's that your brothers will praise you, that everyone will acknowledge the lordship of Jesus. Just the sentence after that, we get the second idea from this blessing of Jacob over Judah. It says, your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. And this is to acknowledge the lion of Judah's victory. Now, there's a difference between acknowledging his lordship and his victory because we don't know much about a monarchy. We know some of it, but we don't live in a monarchy. We live in a democracy, which is very, very different. But maybe you watch enough Netflix series to understand a bit of a monarchy, all right? How does it, how does it work to be king? Well, firstly, you're born into it. So you're born of royal blood and you just become king. But that's the one way. So, so that's one way of becoming Lord. Now, Jesus was born as the Son of God. But he didn't only get his right and his title as Lord of all from being born. He also achieved it the second way. The second way to become a king is to overcome your enemies. And Jesus did that. Look what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. Just say the word all. Do you understand what all means? It means all, all right. It's really difficult to understand, but it means everything. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Here's the thing. Jesus is not only the Lord of everything, but he is also the one who is victorious in everything. He defeated every single enemy, every single thing that, that has stood against him, he defeated. He is victorious over everything, even the very last enemy called death. He beat that. I mean, that's something of the God that we serve. The lion of Judah is the Lord of all, and he is also the one that has conquered everything, every single enemy. Everyone will acknowledge that he is king. But then in verse 10, we're going to get a third promise in Genesis 49. It says, the scepter will not depart from Judah. So firstly, we acknowledge the fact that he is Lord of all. Secondly, we acknowledge the fact that he has conquered everything, that he is victorious over all. But thirdly, we acknowledge that his rule is eternal. It will never stop. There is no end to his reign. That's why when Jacob prophesied this over Judah, he said, the scepter will not depart from your hand. There is no ruler after Jesus. There's no successor. There's nobody after him. In Revelations 11, verse 15, it says the same thing. It says, then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Listen, those are three really good reasons to celebrate and worship Jesus on a day like today. It's that the Lion of Judah is Lord over all. 
He has conquered every single enemy that there is, and his reign will continue forever. Now, here's the problem with theology. You might have agreed with most or all of what I said just now. And you might have heard these things previously in another way, another tone of voice. But if you're sitting here today, I can safely assume that most of you have heard some of the story in some form somewhere in your life. But so what? So what? Yes, he is alive. And oh yes, we, we say all these things. But here's the so what. Theology in itself has never saved anybody. It's good to understand these things. It's really good to know that he is Lord of all, that he has conquered death, and that he will rule forever. It's really good to know all those things because if you don't know that, well, what do you know about him? So it's good to know. But it's much more applicable to your life to ask this question, what does it mean for me? And there's just one thing that I wanna share with you today. Because it does mean something for you and for me. It's not only theory. It's not only theology. It's not only something that you can walk out here and say, oh, well, so, oh, great. Great Easter service. See you guys again next year on Easter, right? Or maybe if I'm here Christmas. <laughs> great story, nice. I think we miss so much of what it is to be a child of God because we very seldom ask this question, what does it mean in my life? Until you realize that everything that I just said right now is part of who you are in Jesus. Because this is what Jesus said. Matthew 25 says the following. Then the king will say to those on his right, just hold on there, Jesus is telling a story of the judgment day. He's telling the story where he's saying that Jesus will separate, separate the sheep and the goats from one another and the one group, the goats, he will on his left-hand side, he'll have them over there and the sheep will be on his right-hand side. Sheep meaning the chosen ones, the ones that, that are going to heaven with him and reigning with him. So Jesus is speaking to the ones that chose him, the one that acknowledged his lordship. And he says the following, come, you who are blessed by my father. Now get this, inherit, say the word inherit. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. The fact that the lion of Judah had conquered death, rules forever, is the Lord of all, opened the way for your inheritance in his kingdom. And when it's your inheritance, it means it is your portion. It's what's due to you. It's what's coming to you. That's what we're celebrating. Not just theology. We are celebrating the fact that the Lion of Judah did something so that our lives is not just a waiting game for heaven. 
Too many people that call themselves followers of Jesus play that game. They're alive in this world, but they're waiting for heaven. I wanna tell you, if Jesus is part of your life, you have the authority to rule here and now. That's what he came to do. Not so that you would just wait for heaven, but that you would live life here and now in a completely different way as sons and daughters of the king. People who understand that they are co-heirs with Christ. They have inherited the things that Jesus died for. It is yours. It is yours. It is yours to rule. Because Jesus has given us authority. He's given us authority to rule in this life and the next. But sometimes we don't rule. Usually we don't rule. Because we stick to theology. And we can give the right answers. But when you start living these truths, things shift in your life. You have the authority to rule over addiction. Is it true? Have you been doing it? Yes. Yes. Did Jesus appear to you in a bright shining light and take your addiction away? Did you have to rule over it? Yes, you did. But you have the authority. Maybe you need to rule over something in your life. Maybe you need to start ruling over your business because you've just let it slide. Do you know that you can give away responsibility? But you can't give away authority. The moment you give away authority, you give away something that is essential to who you are. I can give away a lot of authority, uh, responsibility as far as it pertains to this congregation, being the leader. I can give away responsibility. I can ask people to do things. I can empower them. I can do a bunch of things. But the moment I start giving away authority, I'm giving away who God called me to be at this moment. And too many people have given away the authority that God has given them. You've given away your authority as a father. You've given away your authority as a husband or a wife. Where do you need to rule? Where is God saying, I am the lion of Judah. I have conquered everything. And this is your inheritance that you would rule with me on this life, in this life and in the next. Maybe you need to rule over your emotions. Maybe you need to rule over your mental health. Maybe you need to rule over your depression and your anxiety. And listen, I mentioned this in the first service as well, and this is a public, shall I call it a confession or whatever. Because we, we sometimes allow things to rule us. You might say, yeah, but, but you don't know the darkness that I'm in. You don't know the anxiety. You don't know the depression. I do, four and a half years ago, I sat down with a psychologist and the words out of his mouth was, Emil, you are textbook depressed. And 
I say, well, what do I do? Well, one of two routes. Either we can do the medication route or you can choose the hard route. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not a fan of medicine, so give me the hard route. And he said, it's gonna be tough. I said, I know. And I wish I could tell you the story that I walked out of his office and God appeared to me and the depression was lifted. Three years, three years of ruling my emotions. Of when in the mornings that I felt like not getting up and not doing anything, why I had to say, I am a son of God, even over this. And it was horrible. Today I can say I'm free. Because we have been created to rule. You weren't designed as the tail, you were designed as the head. And too often we allow the things in our lives, our emotions, our mental health, the diagnosis and the prognosis of the doctor to shape the way that we live. And listen, I know that the doctor might have said something over your life and things might have happened and life might have happened and you might have lost a loved one or you succumbed to some form of addiction or whatever it might be. But listen, you still have the authority to take hold of your life and rule with Jesus. That's what the Lion of Judah came to do. Not so that we would have a good theological sermon on Resurrection Sunday, but so that we can just remember that we have been called, we are co-heirs with Christ in order to rule in this life. What do you need to rule over? Where do you need to take authority? Over your children? Over your children, maybe? Where do you need to draw the line? Where do you need to say, hey, this is not working? Your finances? Maybe you need to rule over your history, your past. Because you made mistakes and you can't seem to get past it. I wanna tell you today, the fact that Jesus is risen means that your past is nailed to that cross as well. He died so that you not only may live, but that you may rule and reign. That is the portion of children of God. And he has given us authority. It's because of the Lion of Judah that he is Lord, that he conquered every single enemy and that his Lordship will continue forever, that we inherit those same things, that on this earth, even right now, we are able to rule with him. What do you need to start ruling? Where do you need to take authority? What is God speaking to you right now? that you have just allowed things to guide you by the nose. And God is saying today, I want you to rule. 
I want you to say no to the things that you need to say no to. I want you to say yes to the things that you need to say yes to. I want you to bring my kingdom wherever you go. Can we close our eyes for a moment? I really believe God is speaking to individuals here today. And he's stirring something in your spirit. He's speaking something into your heart. Calling to the part of you that you know. Things might be really tough. But this morning, God is saying you've been called to rule. Even in the most difficult circumstances. And it won't necessarily make it better overnight and instantly. But you can take hold of things. You can command things. That's why Jesus said, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose in heaven will be loosed on earth. Those are words of authority that he has placed within you. You can bind things. You can loose things because of the lion of Judah on your side. If you wanna rule over certain things, I need to pray with you today. Maybe there are things that you just sense right now, God is calling you to, to take authority. You need to rule. If there's something specific that you know, I need to rule over this part of my life, I need to rule over something. I wanna invite you to stand right where you are. I wanna pray with you today. And your standing isn't something magical, it's just you standing up and saying, Lord, I'm standing, I wanna rule. I'm taking authority today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as I stretch my hands over these people, not because I am special, not because I have accomplished anything, but today, because I understand the authority that I have inherited because of the Lion of Judah, I speak authority over their lives. Lord, the things that are being represented here today, I don't know what it is. It might be heartache. It might be financial ruin. It might be a business suffering. It might be emotional trauma. It might be mental health issues. It might be marriages and families and, and relationships. Father, whatever it might be, you have called us as your children to rule in this life. So I pray that in the spirit right now, I release authority over these people's hearts and over their spirits. They will rule because you rule. Not out of our own efforts and our own abilities, we will rule because we are co-heirs with you. You are the one 
that accomplished everything. You are the one that we are celebrating today. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and every knee will bow before you. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And as we look to you today, we just embrace what you have achieved for us. And we say thank you. Thank you that we can rule with you in this life and the next. We give you glory, we give you praise, we give you honor because you alone are worthy of our praises. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all agree and we say, amen.